Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. The Panthers want a quarterback on a rookie contract. Instead of going after Lamar, it's going to be young. I think, to me, you don't make this trade if you don't know who you're going up for. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, you've been making your way all across the country. Where are we at? What's the latest with the road trip? Oh, man, I am in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the home of the you know, University of New Mexico Lobos, uh, Rick Patino, Ricky Patino, the head basketball coach here. Uh, it's been pretty good. I, I got to say, uh, it's been fun to tour, stay on Route 40, the uh, U.S. Highway 40 the whole way and uh, kind of take part of the country and see different landscape, you know, and, and look like you were Lewis and Clark exploring. You know, you wonder if you go back in those times. I'm often reminded of a Twilight Zone episode when I'm taking this 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 kind of these trips. And there's one great, they're all great, the Twilight Zone, but one of them is this cabin, these these fam this family with wagon trains are going across and they and they have one of these kids that are really sick in the wagon train and they don't know what to do. And up ahead is this like little bluff. And so the father says, let me go up to the bluff and see if there's water or if there's a lake somewhere where I can go. So he goes up to the bluff and when he gets up to this like little hill, he sees a highway with cars racing by. Meanwhile, he's got a rifle from 1840 and, you know, and it's 1960 there. So he's startled. He ends up going to the gas station, which is down the street, down the road. And he collapses and, you know, they don't understand the townsfolk don't understand who he is. But he tells them his son's sick down the hill. They look down the hill. They can't find him. Eventually, they give him penicillin to take to the son. And he goes back down the hill and and he camps. And when he's in the gift shop, when he's in this gas station, he reads a book about the about what's going on in the world. And in the book, his son is a doctor. And so, you know, it's like he sees the future and so he doesn't mind going back. And I just wonder when I'm driving across this and I see this landscape, it's like, holy shit, like this is like, what were those people thinking? You know, what were they thinking as they saw this like unbelievable vast land in front of them? It's kind of remarkable. It is remarkable. And that's one thing that I've always had on my bucket list is to go ahead and do a cross country road trip. I've never had the excuse to do it since I've mainly been on the West Coast for all of my career here. But maybe some you, point I'll make the you I'll make should. The I'll tell you here. the other thing. You should do it. It's humbling. It's really humbling. I, I had a you know, now, again, I'm going to give you shit about this now in season five, I think. Christy, you know, Adriana, I'm going to set to give you a spoiler alert here. Adriana turns she basically gets trapped into giving evidence to the FBI. And in mm. season five, she's she's basically she's at they're at wit's end with her. My man, Frank Pellegrini from the FBI, they, they basically have her as an informant. And so she goes home to tell Chrissy, let's get a better life. And then Chrissy says, OK, let me go clear my head. And he goes to a gas station and he sees a family loaded with a bunch of stuff. And he has a moment and he sees this car and he says, that's not the life I really want. I don't want to be a family of four traveling. I like the, I like my life better. And then and then you see it shift. And I kind of had my Chrissy moment. I was at a restaurant and I was picking up takeout and I saw this family of four and I had it the opposite of Chrissy. I'm like, wow, this is really they're like they're at this steakhouse. They're enjoying it like life is good. You know, and you're like, man, am I fortunate? Like you just have a humbling experience when you drive across the country. It's really kind of humbling. You feel like, God, how blessed am I to be able to have a dream as a kid and then get that dream and achieve the dream and get to it, you know, and then you see all these people working and doing all the things that they have to do. It's like Springsteen says, the one plus one, when you make it equal three, becomes powerful. So 
Anyway, it's really kind of humbling. Oh, and by the way, I ran into the Dallas Mavericks. My man, Sean Sweeney, I stayed at a hotel yeah. in Memphis. They were there. It was great. It was awesome. You, you, you know, you, you know, it's like Yogi Berra sees. You see a lot of stuff when you're looking. <laughs> oh, there, you can say hi to Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving, the whole crew with the yeah, Dallas there Mavericks go. there in Memphis. <laughs> uh, I do have a question for you, though. On your cross-country road trip, did you run into Jalen Ramsey? on that no, trip because Jalen Ramsey's making that cross country road trip going from LA to Miami. And that's where we'll begin this legal tampering period day here as the NFL free agency officially will kick off coming up noon Eastern nine o'clock West coast time. The new league year begins on Wednesday, but let's get real. The legal tampering period is really what kicks this thing off. And yesterday afternoon, we saw that the dolphins made the trade with the Los Angeles Rams to get the all pro cornerback Jalen Ramsey, giving up, a third round pick this year and tight end Hunter long for Jalen Ramsey. Uh, this we knew was coming toward ahead eventually because Ramsey was looking for a new deal. He wanted some more money and we saw that the Rams were looking to get some draft picks. But I think the initial reaction from most people was, wow, that's all it took to get Jalen Ramsey. Was that your takeaway? Yeah, well, yeah, because, I mean, nobody wants to pay more. I think that the ripple effect of this is what does Miami do with Xavier Howard? I mean, he hasn't played well in two years, uh, you know, and his number, his cap number is is huge, you know, and so they're going to have to figure out what to do there. I, I get the sense that they would cut him or try to trade him, feel like, OK, we've got this is what we talked about last week on the pod. We'll trade a we'll trade a three for Ramsey and Hunter Law, and then we'll trade. Maybe we can get a second round pick for Xavier Howard. So basically, we tr- we it, we swapped out guys. Now, it's going to cost you more money because I don't think. I think the Rams were fairly uh, honest with teams saying, look, he's not going to play for the 17 million. I think the Rams were not like, hey, it's buyer beware. You, you, you risk it. I think the Rams were fairly forthcoming in that, knowing that, that this is going on. And because of their honesty in the, in, in, the, in the negotiations or in the trade talks, I mean, they knew that they knew that, he, you know, that, that the team taking him was going to have to have the cap room to deal with the problems that were going to be occurred. Look, I think Ramsey's a great player. Is he a consistently great player? No, by no means. I mean, I think he had his moments last year where he was good and he had his moments where he was not very good. Mm. And to your point with the contract, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network tweeted this out yesterday saying that Jalen Ramsey with an adjusted contract has two years fully guaranteed left to complete a deal that averages 20 million per year. He got an additional 25 million guaranteed as a part of the trade. So he wanted to go to Miami. That was his preferred destination. My guess is that he had maybe a short list of teams that he would go to that he thinks are maybe Super Bowl contenders or could compete at a high level and him having played college in Florida. I know he's from Nashville, but he's obviously spent some time down there starting his career with Jacksonville. Maybe he just wanted to go back and he thought that Miami was his best opportunity to try to win and also get his money on top of everything else. Yeah. And what's fascinating is they, the Miami has redone Xavier Howard's contract already. So they've lowered his paragraph five down to the lowest level that they can get it. His cap number is 10 million. You know, and so if they were to trade him, it's a tradable contract. He's 30 years old. He hasn't been very good. So that, that to me, I would expect them to try to do something on that deal. Look, look, there has been, Femi, there has been almost almost a quarter of a billion dollars that has been exchanged, whether it's through cap release, whether it's through uh, restructures, you know, like we saw Tyreek Hill restructure this deal. We just see Deshaun Watson restructure. They didn't restructure the deal. All they do is convert that 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 paragraph five into signing bonus, and then it lowers their cap number. So there's a lot of teams that are doing the maneuvering behind the scenes, and Miami's been very active in that area. And so that's why they, they were able to fit him in. But I, I, I don't know how you can have all this money at two corners. You know, they have a co- quarterback on a rookie contract, but still – I think they're going to have to do something with Howard because Howard's, you know, he hasn't played. People have been running by Howard. I don't know if you've noticed that, but they've been running by him. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago, I think, was when he led the league with 10 interceptions. But it's he's had some rocky moments since then. So you think that we're not going to get the Ramsey-Howard combination on as the boundary corners. You think Howard could be on the move ultimately just based on what they've been doing with the restructuring and just how he's played so far? Well, I think with the restructure, it makes it less likely that he's on the move. Because they've okay. already they've already taken away, but they then they've yeah. got so much cap acceleration that trails them. But to me, I think it's kind of hard to figure out how the hell they're going to do it. You know, I mean, they have to come up with an answer for them where they are. And when you look at it, it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, it's hard because they've got so much cap acceleration as they go through it. 
you know, and, and they've got to figure out what they're going to do there. You know, they've already restructured Armstead's deal. They've already restructured Bradley Chubb's deal in terms of cap. They already did Tyreek Hill's deal. You know, they released uh, Carter, so they, they picked up some money with him. But I, I think, to me, that's what they have to do. Before we set the table for the rest of free agency, once again, the legal tampering period is going to begin probably right as this podcast drops into your feed here. Yeah. What's the latest on Aaron Rodgers? We, we saw him talk to Brandon Marshall over the weekend at his flag football deal in Southern California. He said, stay tuned and a decision is going to come pretty soon here. My guess is that we get something at the start of the new league year at the latest. Maybe something comes today. Do you think that we are getting closer to a decision with Rodgers? finally committing to the New York Jets or could he throw us another curveball because you never know what to expect with that guy you know I kind of get the sense that you know as we said two weeks ago we think he's playing I think this is a lot about recruiting a lot about the contract Mm -hmm. we saw Mark Murphy's commentary about he wants to make it happen which I feel bad for Gutekus the the, the GM up there because he's kind of like he took away any leverage that he would have I mean one of the things that you want to do in a trade is say hey look you know, we'll just make him play for us or he'll retire and give us back. You know, you have to have some strength in a negotiation. And Murph just could give a shit. He just, uh, we, we, we're, we're moving on. Like, OK, Murph, thank you. You know, we, we all know the world revolves around you up there. So, uh, you know, it makes it harder on him to do it. But I, I, I mean, would you be shocked? I mean, to me, the the blow, the stunning, the stunning news wouldn't be that he went to the Jets. The stunning news would be that he's not playing. I mean, I think it's all yeah. done. I think it's all about the contract. I think that's the yeah. final piece. You know, I, I don't think Woody's going to fly across the country to, to convince him to play. Like if you got to convince a guy to play, do you really want to trade for him? Like that's never been a good thing. You know, like th- there has to be that love to play. There has to be that feel. I want all in. Now you got to have time. I understand that, but that, that competitive juice has got to fly. Now, my takeaway from Mark Murphy's comments about how he was speaking about Rodgers in past tense, pretty much acting like he wasn't on the team anymore, even though he's still technically on the team. My takeaway from that was kind of what we talked about last week was that, hey, maybe the compensation, the trade package is already done and we're just waiting for Rodgers and the Jets to figure out the contract. It almost feels like, all right, the negotiating side of this between the Jets and the Packers is over. And now it's the negotiating side between the Jets and Rodgers. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's dead on right. I think there's no doubt. I think to me, that's the conversation is they 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 know. And and, I, and maybe that's why Murph was so forthcoming and letting him go, because yeah. he already knew the compensation was in play, that that they didn't have to do any more work on that. So for me, I, I would say that's probably right. You know, and so that would move on. I mean, like, OK, he goes to the Jets. And what does that mean? I mean, you got you got Hackett there. You know that they've they're comfortable with the offense. I mean, now we'll see where it goes with the Jets, and and we'll see what it costs. I get the sense that maybe they gotta give up their two and maybe something else. But mm-hmm. I thought it was gonna be. I know they wanted a one originally, but they probably couldn't get it because it's really who is the mar- who are the Jets competing against? I mean, let me ask you that. Nobody, it seems like, because we've seen these other teams kind of move on towards the draft class and Carolina getting that number one pick. We'll touch on that a little bit later. The Raiders haven't really shown any sort of interest of going gung ho towards Aaron Rodgers. So I don't think I don't really see the destination. I don't think that I don't get that sense. I mean, I think the Raiders are looking for, you know, I think the Raiders are looking for a long term solution. I think they're looking for a short term and a long term solution. I think that's really what they're looking for. They're looking for somebody to say, okay, we need to get this guy for the short term. We'll need to get that guy for in the draft for the long term and go from there. You have a prediction on when this Rogers thing will become finalized. Do you think it's today? Is it? I think, I think it's got it. I mean, you, you know, to me, you, you have to have it today so that yeah. you can, you know what his cap number is, and then you can plan accordingly around the team. I'm sure he's got demand. Look, I want this, rec- you know, can you, I want to sign this receiver too. Like, I, I'm not surprised he, he's not trying to play general manager either. Like, you know, don't just think he's coming and saying, oh, guys, whatever you want to do, I'm all happy for it. No, I, I, I'm sure he's got things he wants because he wants to feel comfortable. And if you're Joe Douglas, you want to make him comfortable. You want to make him feel like, okay, this, he's all in on this. So what I'm hearing is that Randall Cobb is going to be on the New York Jets. It could be a good choice. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. We got rid of Barrios, so we'll bring back Randall Cobb. 
<laughs> yeah, Randall Cobb, two best buddies, Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb up in Gang Green. But yeah, I think this thing is going to be Rodgers with the Jets. And like you said, maybe he's kind of not really holding the Jets hostage, but is saying, all right, I'm coming, but make sure you get these things done and then we'll kind of do this thing all together. So it could be a wave of acquisitions for the Jets at the I don't start know about of the a wave, but I, I would think there's going to be some things he wants, you know, like. You know, and, and Hackett knows him well enough to know what he likes and, you know, what he doesn't want. Like, he doesn't want to turn his back to the line. You know, there's certain things offensively, yeah. scheme-wise, that he wants to. You know, like, he wants to be able – and then terminology. Look, the one thing is, is he – you know, with Hackett there, he doesn't have to learn a new language. He can just say we're going to – it's the same language as Green Bay, so it's the same system. To set the table for free agency, Michael, let's lay out the top five teams – with the most salary cap. And number one is the Chicago Bears with a little over $72 million. You have the Atlanta Falcons with $62 million, the Las Vegas Raiders, 42 million, Houston at 40 million, and then Cincinnati at 35 million. And I'm not sure if you saw this tweet from Field Yates over at ESPN there, but he talked about the highest spending teams over the last seven seasons in free agency and what they've done from a win total standpoint that upcoming season. So dating back to 2016, the Giants were the highest spending team in free agency. They increased their wins by five. The Jaguars in 2017 did it by seven. The Bears in 2018 increased their wins by seven. The Jets in 2019 by three. The Dolphins in 2020 by five. Patriots in 2021 by three. Then last year, the Jaguars were the highest spending team in free agency. They increased their wins by six. We all talk about how free agency, it can be sometimes irresponsible with what you're doing, paying good players great money, but it seems like the early returns at least are pretty positive. Well, yeah. I mean, look, the 16 Giants, that got them going, but then after that, it didn't work. The 17 Jaguars got them going, then it didn't work. You know, same Mm -hmm. thing with the Bears. So, like, there's no sustainability. It's a little bit like when you're in free agency, it's like you're a college in the junior college program. You're going for a guy, you're trying to fix your team, but the long-term effect of it, it, it's not, it's, it doesn't sustain itself because as we've seen, as I mentioned earlier on this pod, there's almost a quarter of a billion dollars exchanging hands between teams in terms of, of trying to redo the deals. Also, we know from the, what the owners were presented with the coaches, like how many coaches have gotten fired. Since 16, when Fields puts that out there, the Giants have gone through what? Coughlin? They've gone through... Pat Shermer, Shermer. They've, gone, they've gone through Joe Judge, and now they're on Dayball. I mean, so, so like, I, think it was, this, I think it was McAdoo, I think, in 2016. McAdoo, I'm sorry, McAdoo. Yeah. yeah, so, like, they're going through a bunch of coaches. Like, the Bears have gone through coaches. Like, you know, so I think, to me, it's a little bit like any numbers when you want to play with it. It looks good mm-hmm. on the surface, but at the end of the day, when you peel it back, it, it's not, it doesn't have that long-term sustainability. When you analyze it, like that's what you have to do when you look at numbers. When somebody presents a, 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 a case study to you, you know, like, does this make sense? You have, to, you have to take it another step. It's called, it's false duality. You can't just say, okay, it's A or B, you know, free yeah. agency works. No, it doesn't. I mean, it has no sustainability, you know, yeah. and if you could, it, you need it to fill a gap, to fill a hole. But if you're living in free agency, trust me, it's not going to work. Well, if you're living in free agency, it's probably because you're not drafting well. I think I think is what True. is happening there. Or, or, or like I, like if you go through the if you go through the the if you go through the draft capital, like see to me, I don't think we talk enough about this in terms of when you look at draft capital and you say, okay, like how much draft capital like have teams had over the years? Like for example. When you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, the Jacksonville Jaguars, their draft capital, their draft capital, I'm going to, you know, like when you look at their draft capital and you say, okay, where are we? What have they done? I mean, they've had a really good, they've had a really good opportunity because they've had a lot of draft picks, right? So when you go through it and you don't have a lot of draft picks, you're sitting there saying to yourself, okay, what are we doing? Like, where are we? Like the the Patriots, for example, when you look at the, the you look at the Patriots over the years, and I'm not making excuses for them, but when you look at the Patriots over the years, so the Patriots, based on from 2014 to today, they basically have had 6,250 points in the draft. Okay, mm-hmm. in terms of the first round, when you look at the 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 Chiefs, same thing. They've had the same number, right? When you look at the Eagles, they've had 8,300. When you look at the Bengals. 
You know, when you look at the Bengals, they've had 11,000 points. When you look at the the Niners, they had 12,000 points. So my point here is is to sustain excellence because you're drafting lower is harder. That, to me, is a more relevant number than what you spend in free agency. And you yeah. should. The system is fixed so that the Bengals, if they lose, they should win. The Niners, they get Bosa. You know, they get all these guys. That's why they're at 12.1 value of the draft. So they're 194% higher than the Chiefs and the, and, the, and the Patriots. So my point here is I'm not making excuses. It's just that that's truly what happens when you win. You start to have less value with draft picks. And I think the stat that he put out there is more so just from an immediate standpoint and not the sustainability that you're talking right. about. Because and, and I, I, know I, I don't I, disagree with that. I don't disagree yeah. with that. There, there is When you spend a lot of money, there's an impact. But, you know, when yeah. Jacksonville spent all that money in 17, I mean, look at look at what they've went through since then. I mean, they fired they fired mm-hmm. Marone. They've you know, they've gone through coaches. I mean, it's been a mess. Think about the money they've spent in that one year to fall a little bit short and then continue to fall. Think about it. If you put money over over what they've done, it's pretty high. And I think from the from the betting standpoint of it, because that's kind of where my brain functions uh, at times, is that all of those teams, except for the New York Jets, also went over their regular season win totals. So even with all of the free agents have baked in, they still exceeded expectations. Now, the year later, those two years afterwards, it kind of crumbles apart just because free agency is more so like the instant oatmeal. It's the instant rice. It's not necessarily the slow cook and the build of what you'd want to do for a sustainable team. But I do think it's interesting just that those teams that end up spending get the early returns, not necessarily the long-term benefit. But with that said, those top five teams, Bears, Falcons, Raiders, Texans, Bengals, have the five most uh, cap space entering free agency. Do you expect those teams to be active, or are there other teams that are kind of bubbling under the surface looking to clear cap space to be aggressive once the legal tampering period opens up here in a couple hours? Well, I, I think there's no doubt. Miami has told everybody they're all in. They push their chips to the middle of the table. I think the mm-hmm. Bengals have to hold money back. I mean, I'm sure they're going to try to figure out. They're going to. Mike Brown's going to be frugal. He's not going to be cheap. He's going to be tactful. So I think, but he knows he's got to pay Burrow. So he's got to hold money back for Burrow. You know, I think the Raiders are going to try to do exactly what those other teams have done. They're going to try to get their because of all the draft picks that are no longer on the roster from all the blown picks. They've got to increase their talent level of their team. You know, could they have traded up to one? Maybe. Were they involved? Probably. But they they fell short. I think we'll get to this a little bit later that DJ Moore was the winning chip in that derby. Mm-hmm. And so the Raiders need to improve their talent base, you know, so they're going to need the same with the Chicago Bears. They got all these draft picks, but they they shouldn't overspend in free agency, but they can help create their team and build their team around it if they're prudent enough. Because the one thing about cap room, you don't have to use it all this year. You can put it into next year. You can yeah. save it next year. I think the Patriots have $100 million in the next year already. Like they're, they're going to be. Uh, so eventually, if you don't like it, you don't have to you don't have to pay. Like there's no rule that says you got to spend all the money. I think you got to measure twice, cut once. You got to follow the carpenter rule and take the good deal because what you don't want to do is sign a player and still need that position. Yeah, I think that's the worst place to be uh, as a team there. Michael, let's take our first break. On the other side, we will get into the trade that you mentioned. Friday afternoon, we saw a shakeup at the top of the draft. Carolina now picking first overall. We'll break it all down. This is the GM Shuffle. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops 
driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, we saw over the weekend the blockbuster trade at the top of the draft between the Carolina Panthers and the Chicago Bears. The Panthers going up from pick nine all the way to number one overall to presumably select their quarterback of the future. And it was a hefty haul that they had to pay Chicago. They gave up pick number nine, pick 61 in the second round, a first round pick in 2024, a second round pick next year, rather 2025, and then wide receiver DJ Moore. And you hinted at it, Michael. You think the player was the biggest part of this deal and why Chicago went all the way down to nine with Carolina? Well, I think there's two factors, right? I think the Carter news coming out of Georgia, I think that that kind of allowed them, the Bears, to think about going as far down as nine. Okay, so I think that had something to do with it. I think the second part was DJ Moore. You're going to get a receiver who the who the Panthers just signed to a contract. So you don't have to worry about redoing this guy's contract. You got him signed. He's on your team. So you mm-hmm. got him on. You know what his cap number is, and you're just paying paragraph five. You don't have to give him a signing bonus. So that's a huge deal. And he's a good player. Is he a number one receiver? No, but he's a really good receiver. You know, he's a really good receiver. So you get a really good receiver and you get the compensation and you now you're going back to nine and you're saying, OK, it's not really where I wanted to be, but why not? I'm here and I'll probably get a good defensive player. Maybe I'll get an offensive lineman. I don't know. So I think you kind of handled that. I thought it was a really good deal for the Bears, assuming and this is a big assumption. A, they hit the picks because remember, we're going to figure out this trade. We're going to say, OK, the Panthers take Bryce Young. And that's what I hear. I hear it's Bryce Young. Now, there could be, could it be C.J. Stroud? The betting market thinks so. I think there's kind of a little bit of a of a back and forth. I, I think it's Bryce Young, but I think it's back mm. and forth. And so if, if it's Bryce Young, then we're going to go Bryce Young versus the player they picked, all the, and then we'll uh, an, uh, analyze the trade. And if Young's great and you hit with them, and he's the outlier at 5'10", five, five, you know, 200 pounds or 195 pounds once he gets, you know, then you say, great. Look, I went back. I watched Bryce Young this past week when I had free time in the hotel room on the Mm -hmm. road. I mean, look, the guy is dynamic. There's no denying his football talent. He was born to play the position. He's got unique skills in terms of instincts. His his arms stronger than Tua's. He's got great ball placement. He's got a tremendous feel. He's got that 
that Jason Bourne-like ability to see everything. When I say Jason Bourne, I'm talking about the scene when he comes into the cafe and he's sitting there and he notices everything that happened. The guy's left-handed, the guy's got a gun, this guy can hold him. Like, Young's got that skill, but, you know, you worry about can he hold up? Can he hold up? Can he handle it? You know, like people say batted balls down. Well, I think Joe Burrow was like third in the league in batted balls down. You know, Justin Herbert was like third or fourth, second in the league in batted balls down this year. Like, so sometimes when you, he, one thing about Bryce Young, he has that, that Drew Brees overhand delivery, but think about where we are with the league. Think about where we are with the league today. When Drew Brees came out, he, he did everything at Perdon that you could do as a player, right? <laughs> he did it all. He was upset, you know, he was small, nobody. And he went, what, 32nd in the draft. He went at the top of the second, the John mm-hmm. Butler, the former general manager of the Chargers, God rest his soul. He, you know, he picked Tomlinson and and Breeze in exchange for Michael Vick. Okay, so he and made a great haul. deal there. Oof. Yeah, got a great deal there. Got two basically Hall of Famers in exchange for Michael Vick, who's a really good player, but probably not going to be a Hall of Famer. So anyway, so that that kind of like, and now we're talking about Bryce Young being the first pick overall. So what my point is, look how the league has dramatically changed through that. But I think Carolina, we say my after I said DJ Moore was the clincher, I think the second part of it is that the Panthers want a quarterback on a rookie contract. Mm-hmm. I think the Panthers, instead of going after Lamar, and I think that's part of the issue with Lamar, is people don't want to spend, you know, their team's not good enough to go spend all this money for the quarterback and have no money left to build your team around. That's the problem, right? So I think they wanted a quarterback on a rookie deal. Now they got a hit with the pick. The aggregators are going to really <laughs> love this segment here, Michael, because you, you're you pivoting uh, far from what the betting market is indicating right now because I'm looking at our show sponsor, DraftKings. CJ Stroud is minus 300, and that is implying a 75% chance that he will be the first overall pick. We believe that it's going to be Carolina that makes that selection. I know there's been some rumblings. I don't know how much credence you put into it that they may be trade down. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but who knows? Crazier things have happened. But CJ Stroud has, it was the guy that the betting market shifted towards once Carolina made that trade because everybody said, oh, Panthers like Stroud. They're now picking one. Let's make Stroud the favorite. You think, though, based on who you, the guys that you've been talking to around the league and the gals that you've been talking to, that this could be Bryce Young, who right now is plus 235, the second choice to be first overall. You think that Young, it's more neck and neck, or would you even go as far as saying that you think Young is probably like 52, 53% to go number one overall? I would go 60, 40 Young. It's going to be Young. I, I, I think to me, you don't make this trade if you don't know who you're going up for. Like, like there's never... Like it's net again, this is false duality. It's never a or B mm-hmm. like well, when I was, when I was a young scout in Cleveland, we had this personnel director and he had a, he had a, a and he had a, uh, a, you know, I was doing pro work at the time, but he had a calculator next to him and Femi gave this guy uh, a 62 and I gave this guy a 56. So, all right. So he's a, so we'll make him a five, eight. No, the, the one thing he's not is a 5'8". Like, he's either a 62 or he's a 56, but he ain't a 5'8". Like, you can't mm-hmm. split the difference, right? Like, so you can't say, well, Stroud and, and, and Bryce Young are both 7-0 players. You can't say that. Like, there has to be a difference, but there, no player is exactly the same grade. One's better than the other. So when you yep. trade it up, you're saying, okay, we're especially if you got to one. I mean, you probably could have got – I mean, Monty Ostendorf would have given you three. I'm sure of it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he would have given you a, a, a three for this haul to go to nine. So there's a reason you went to one. There's a reason you went to one. And the Bears were anxious to trade. I said that last week. I knew they were going to do it. I think there were other teams involved. I think, to me, DJ Moore was the one player. They wanted They wanted two number one extra. I said this the other day on the pod. Remember I said if he would have had all those ones, he would have taken it. Well, that's true. Yeah. He, did, he didn't have it. He, had a, he got a two. He didn't get the extra one. But he got DJ Moore, which is really more of a, of, of probably a better fit for him for his team, especially around your guy Fields to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you that, have that, no more very... excuses. You're you're completely oh. out of excuses. You're completely out of excuses. You got they uh, give uh, up a two oh, for Claypool. 
They they trade for DJ Moore. <laughs> you know, they got all these fucking draft picks. Like your excuses are over with. Like don't I don't want to hear you cry. Well, it's not the right scheme. You know, they don't really put him in the right. <laughs> like, I don't I don't want to hear. It. I don't want to hear. It's over. It's, it's over. It's, it's, it's over. I, I I've put up. There's no more excuses. My guy, he's he's got to produce in 2023. Now here's where I'm we're com- going now. Let's see. Produce. Justin Fields MVP odds. I could see you going to the window on that one too now, my man. I could see that with your jersey. You know, one day you'll come into the circuit, you'll bet that one, and you'll put your two a jersey on, you'll bet that one. I could see this coming. I got cameras at the so, you know, I'm gonna be out there. So I'm gonna turn around and see your ass going up to that window. So I think there we've had way too much Justin Fields talk on the pod going back to the regular season to where I, I missed the boat on this, man. Like everybody's betting him. I have no Justin Fields bets. I don't have a single bet for this upcoming NFL season because we're sitting here in March. And Fields is like 25 to 1 to win MVP. Everyone's jumping the gun on this thing here. Yeah, if you're going to give me like 80 to 1, maybe I'd sniff around on that. But 25, that's way too short for a Chicago Bears team that, I mean, hell, they might not even, they're the long shot to win their own division. How can you win MVP if they're not going to win their division? So yeah, the, yeah. the Fields love, as, as much as he's my guy, when it comes to putting my money down on an MVP ticket uh, at 25 to one, I'm not doing it for Justin Fields right now. But uh, the, I agree with you. The excuses are now out of the window. He's got a, a, a big time receiver in DJ Moore. They're going to surround him with some other pieces. I'm sure they're going to look towards the offensive line and free agency to try to shore some things up. Also, the draft, they could double up on that offensive line to protect him much better. But I think we're going to see that potential that I've been talking about. It's going to come to fruition in 2023. I'm confident in my guy, Michael. I'm confident. We don't need the excuses this year. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll do it. We'll do it. <laughs> but I do want to go back to the Bryce Young point, though, with Carolina that you're bringing up here, that you think that Young is the favorite to go number one in your eyes. Bryce Young is unlike any other quarterback that Frank Reich has coached. I know this has been the right. point that's been talked about, that Frank Reich has liked traditional big quarterbacks. Young being a physical outlier, you think that they're going to look past this, or is this maybe the owner, David Tepper, who reportedly likes Bryce Young, maybe putting his thumb on the scale, no pun intended. Well, I think he is putting his thumb. I think David Tepper's running the, t- I think David Tepper's a huge influence in this. I mean, David, and and so it should kind of be this way, right? I've often said this, like the owner should be the driving force on what kind of team he wants to build, right? Yeah. And I could see, I could see Frank Wright saying, look, I played the position with David, like it's going to be hard for him to stay healthy. I could see that conversation, right? I could see that. However, that being said, you know, I think to me, look, the, the, you can't and, and I've, I've knocked Bryce Young a ton. I mean, I, I, like, the, I, like I've said many times, I didn't get the 510 memo that they're back in vogue. I get that. I get that. But when you watch him against go back and watch the Georgia game in the championship. Like there's some incredible plays he makes there. Now, I think you got to design the offense specifically for him. I think he has got to be in shotgun more than ever under center. Right. And I think you've got to have a lot, but he's so instinctive and he's got such awareness for the game that he plays quick minded. And I think the quick mindedness is reminds me of Drew Brees more when he was at Prudhomme. So I, I, I get that. And, and look, there's no way they're both the same. I'll, I'll say this. I, 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 CJ Stroud, I'm going to study this week, but mm-hmm. I think ultimately, you know, to me, what Young was able to accomplish and his instincts and his rhythm and all that and his accuracy, it's hard to duplicate. So you've now taken two shots at the Boilermakers here. Now, you know, our, our producer, Elliot, he's from that neck of the woods. His family yeah. is legacy. But he went to Missouri, though. I'm not taking a shot. It's what I've always called Perdone. I mean, Purdue, Perdone. I mean, I hope they win the NCT. You probably have them in your bracket, don't you? I, I don't. <laughs> so, so I, I, I don't have. Uh, I think they go to the Sweet 16, but I mean, they, they, they could get tripped up. But that's neither here nor there. People don't want to hear. Our, I mean, how our is Texas basketball. A&M the ninth, eighth, eighth? How are they eighth? Like, I, I want to sit understand. in that committee room one day. Like, I don't like, get what it. Are they, what more do they have to do to get like a, a fit? Like, seriously. I mean, who knows? My guess is that it's a TV show. They wanted the potential Texas, Texas A&M second round matchup. Because that, that will, you know, Lone Star State might catch on fire if we end up getting that one. But uh, I, I I don't get that either. It's like they were this, they finished second in the SEC tournament, which we all say is like the second best conference in America. But apparently that's only good for a seven seed. But that's uh, that's neither here nor there. So with Young potentially going to Carolina and, and it's early, we're not saying that he's going to do this. I don't want to misconstrue anything that you're saying here. You just believe that he should be the favorite to go number one. Overall I think there's the a conversation and I, I think they like Levis, too. I think they do. I think they like Levis too. Yep. 
I don't think this is Anthony Richardson involved. I don't. Okay. I think there are a lot of teams that do love Anthony Richardson. And I think that that, you know, that there would be there might be some action. But I think to me, this is about I think it's if I had a rank it, I would go young, 60, 40, Stroud, you know, 30. And then I would go probably Levis, 10 percent, 15, 20, maybe. OK, so so young Stroud, Levis and then Richardson, kind of an afterthought, because I, I was reading Peter King's stuff last night. And he said that Frank Reich loves Richardson, but he doesn't see Richardson going number one overall. If everyone's connecting Frank Reich, to every, apparently Reich loves the entire draft class. Yeah, well, he's is, Will Rogers. Is, is, of course, he's going to love the entire draft. I mean, like <laughs> yeah. that's the fact. Like that's what people in the media digest. It's like I've been in the room. Like there's nobody you don't love everybody in the room. Like there's there's always mm-hmm. like again there's four kind of scouts, right? There's the picker, the guy that picks on one thing. Okay, so if you've got a picker in the room, he's going to pick on Bryce Young's height. OK, yeah. if you've got a production guy in the room, you're going to say C.J. Stroud did this, 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 his productions on element. If you got a poor scout in the room, you're probably going to say that, you know, Richardson isn't good enough. Right. And if you've got yeah. the projector, the guy that can project the talent moving forward. Right. That scout is going to say, hey, I believe this guy's talent in a pro system doing these things. See, like the reason you, you, you in scouting, you've got to define you got to know the plays and the players. So when you write a report, you got to be able to say, Bryce Young, if he's in this style of offense, okay, boom, 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 and write it out. Like, describe it. Like, mm-hmm. don't say he's just a great player. Like, no, we got to figure out what offense is he going to run because that's the key. Like, that's, what, that's the complaint I have about Lamar. Nobody writes out what's the offense. For. Lamar should be under center, shotgun, outside, inside zone, boots naked, all that stuff. Shotgun on third down. That's Lamar. Lamar needs to be. We we need to make Lamar have to. The defense have to defend Lamar as a blocker. How do you do that? You run boots because it's the only play in football. The quarterback can block somebody. You pull him out. Because he's such a weapon. You have to respect it. Yeah. Uh, I mean. That sounds like Lamar. Same thing do. they did with Hurts. Give the Eagles credit. Mm-hmm. They said Jalen Hurts. I don't think it was in anybody's reports because I didn't see it that way because I didn't see the six-back offense, but they figured out the six-back offense. God, if, if, if Lamar somehow ended up with a Kyle Shanahan, I think that would be the dream situation or something like that. Like That would be a fun offense to watch, but I don't. At least I don't think that's what's going to happen. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if the Niners are maybe interested in Lamar, but uh, that that I think would be a fun, fun scenario in the Bay Area. Last thing on the draft, because we've talked a lot about Carolina and what they might do at number one. I think the next pivot point is probably number three with the Cardinals. Monty Austin Fort, the new general manager, the new head coach, Jonathan Gannon. All reports and indications are that they're looking for somebody on the defensive side of the football. One of those blue chip defensive guys. Do you see Carolina or rather Arizona moving out of number three to one of these QB needy teams? Like, let's say one of these teams falls in love with the talent of an Anthony Richardson, whether it's Indianapolis moving up one spot or maybe Seattle moves up a couple spots or the Las Vegas Raiders go from seven to three. Would you guess that the Cardinals end up moving out of that pick number three or could they just fall in love with one of the top defenders and say, hey, we just want to take this guy here? I think they would move. I think they would move. I don't think there's anybody you I don't think there's anybody that says, okay, I can't move from here. I don't think there's a uh, a Chase Young or, or there's a Bosa in in that ca- I know people think Will Anderson is, but that's not the case. I, I think they would move. Now, mm-hmm. would you move up to get the quarterback? Or if you're if you're John Schneider and you're sitting there, I, I might get the guy I want right here, right? Why do I have to move? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's going to come down to what does the Houston Texans do? If the Texans sign Garoppolo, which they're in the Garoppolo market, right? If they Mm -hmm. sign Garoppolo, do they still draft one? Probably. I mean, if the Raiders sign Garoppolo, do they still draft one? Probably. You know, like to me, it's a little bit like Gino. Garoppolo and Gino are kind of similar, that you're going to sign them to a deal. You know, you're going to get a good player, whatever anybody thinks. I mean, Garoppolo's won a lot of games in his career. You're going to get a good player. You can run your offense. It's not going to be overly expensive. It's not going to be ridiculous. You're going to have them for two or three years, and you go from there. Yeah, the, the whole double up thing that we've talked about here. I think that's how teams can address the most important position at quarterback there. So we assume Houston's going to take a quarterback. There's been rumblings about the Texans maybe going defense. 
But I think that they're probably going to go quarterback uh, to try to get that QB of the future. Could see many as three, maybe even four quarterbacks go at the top of that draft there to where one of those teams like in Arizona or Seattle could be sitting and having one of these premier defenders fall to them. A lot of time between now and the draft, but it's going to be a lot of interesting discussion here. But I think the most interesting point that you brought up there is that Carolina could be zeroing in on a quarterback and not the one that the betting market thinks that I do think is very, very fascinating. Michael, let's take another break on the other side. We'll talk Garoppolo. We'll talk some other top free agents as the legal tampering period is about to begin in the NFL. All right. A couple hours from now, or maybe as of you getting this podcast, we <laughs> like will you see think anybody's waiting t- for a couple hours. Yeah. Like these fucking <laughs> phones are like, are you kidding me? Like these phones are ringing up. Like the tampering you know, period this- began in, in Indy, right? <laughs> well, I mean, like the, the agents were having meetings with, with teams, you know, yeah. you know, that's, you know, they talk about their players as players. I mean, that's what's the big deal. Like, like you're either like you're either in it or you're not, you know, you, you know, and you listen and you figure out, okay, let me go back home. Let me see how this works. You know, you really got to do a good job of modeling your team now. You got to say, okay, if I sign Garoppolo, I pay him why, you know, then I do this, this, and this. If I don't sign, if I trade for Bryce Young, I do this, this, and this. You know, if I if I trade this player, I do this. If I sign Jalen, if I trade for Jalen Ramsey, I could trade Xavier Howard. You know, so you're constantly working on models. And so you're constantly trying to do it. And you're in this market is not like, okay, there's no great receiver in this market. You know, I know Jacoby Myers is going to get a lot of money, but, you know, the guy averages a touchdown one every 27 catches. It's hard to pay a lot of money for that, but teams will. He's a good slot receiver. But, you know, I think there's a lot of variables that you have to kind of navigate yourself through, and that's what's going on today. I think the quarterbacking, I think Garoppolo, like I said, I think Houston's in it. I'm sure the Raiders are in it. You know, they got to get a quarterback, you know, and then what what happens with these? And then, of course, the Aaron Rodgers domino. Once that falls, where's that go? Right. You know, that puts the Jets in play. Once these teams get quarterbacks, right, then the other teams, then the quarterback market shrinks. Like if Rodgers goes to the Jets and Garoppolo goes to the Raiders, let's say, you know, Mm -hmm. then, okay, where does, you know, the Colts are saying, okay, draft. You know, it's, that's kind of where it's going. You know, you got to kind of look at it that way. Or maybe the Colts go after somebody else in free. I don't know how it's, you know, goes. Yeah, it's It really is the Garoppolo market, I think, interesting because I think a lot of people have ex- expected 20, 25 million per year or so. But if, we, if we're talking I, I, about I don't know Houston if it's and get Vegas. That high. I don't think it'll get that oh, you think high. I think, think probably, I think there's so, I think we have to, again, edge, fans, right? There's two deals. There's soft money, which is the number that the agents give you. And then there's the hard number. Uh-huh. Like, what is the actual number? What is it going to be for two years? And one thing about quarterbacks, like, who cares? If you sign Garoppolo, do you really care how much guarantee you give him for two years? Because he's going to be your quarterback. Like, you know he's going to play. Yeah. Geno Smith, you know he's going to play. Right? Like, that, that, like, the Watson contract on the paper guaranteeing him that contract really isn't a big deal. He's going to be your quarterback. The problem is who they gave it to. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's not really an issue. Like if, if you think Lamar Jackson's going to be your quarterback for five years, why wouldn't you guarantee him for five years? Why wouldn't you just do like a basketball contract guarantee 35 million a year for five years? Okay. And then it's all, but, and then give him, you know, like that's low for an average, but I'm just saying, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, especially when it's a guy that tilts the field. You know he's going to be right, and then you got to take out insurance to protect yourself for his injury. No, yeah, I I do. I I agree with you for the quarterbacks. I don't like we said. Like you can't overpay for great. You can overpay for good, but you can't overpay for great. Is 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 I think one of the running themes over this next couple of weeks for this podcast with a big free agency. I think think to me at least, I'll I'll be in Vegas tonight. So tomorrow I'll Mm -hmm. be on my show. I'm back from my vacation, so I'll be on the show and. I know you'll be around, so I, I have a feeling we'll be doing we'll be dialing the bat phone up for emergency pods because I'm sure something's going to fall. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Millie drive today because I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of stuff happening in between now and by the time I get to Vegas. Yeah, no, I, I would I would guess that as well. Uh, the quarterbacks we've talked a lot about those guys. I want to talk about the defensive tackle market because yesterday we saw the Commanders 
give Deron Payne the big extension, four years, $90 million, I believe around $60 million of it guaranteed. What is that going to do for Javon Hargrave, who's now an unrestricted free agent coming off a double-digit sack season? And also Denver's Draymond Jones, who a lot of people have been talking about as a guy who might see some big money, bigger than some fans think, on the open market. I'll tell you, David Omaniata, the kid from the Saints, is probably more popular than anybody. He's probably the uh-huh. hot commodity out there because he's a little bit of a lower level than those two guys you mentioned. He's not, mm-hmm. you know, Hargrave's going to carry a big number. And I think a team like, you know, a team that has that kind of cap room goes after it. I mean, I'm, Hargrave, you don't get that much pressure. I mean, look, Payne doesn't rush the quarterback like Hargrave does. No. I mean, let's be clear. I mean, Payne's a good player, but, you know, they take him out on some situations. I mean, he's not a great rusher. He doesn't convert run to pass, whereas Allen does. You know, to me, that's what you want. That's that. That was Al Davis's big thing. Who's converting run to pass? Like, who can transition? Who can Fred Flintstone? You know, when Fred Flintstone used to get his feet going in his in his mm-hmm. in his car. Like, who can do yeah. that? That that's what you're looking for. You're looking for Fred Flintstone at, at playing defensive <laughs> line that can convert it. Get those feet moving there. But yeah, it's it's interesting that Washington gave Payne all that money because Allen is already on a big deal. I'd imagine if Chase Young has a bounce back season now that he's healthy in 2023, they're going to want to pay him. I get that Sam Howell is on the rookie yeah, contract. Rookie contract. And, they're, and they're just protecting but, assets for the new owner. That's all they're doing. They're protecting the assets for the new owner. Yeah, I guess so. Well, <laughs> shout out to whenever the new owner is going to get there and watch it. I know they've been desperately wanting that to happen. In the secondary, Jesse Bates, who played on the franchise tag this past season, is now unrestricted. Jamel Dean is an interesting corner. James Bradbury, who we've talked about, he wants big money in free agency, as does Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who I thought was one of the kind of chess pieces for the Eagles defensive back group this past season here. Which of these corners do you think is the best option for a team to pursue? I think John C. Gardner, because he gives you some versatility. You know, Dean, D- Dean, he can get called for defensive holding almost every play. Plus that rush in Tampa really helped him, yeah. you know? So I'm, I'm Bradbury's his own corner for me. I mean, if somebody pays him, it's got to be the right system. It's all scheme fit for those guys, right? So, and Jesse Bates is a good player. But to me, I think when, you know, Ket Dyer, the kid at Tennessee, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Byard, Byard. he's really... Yeah. He's really a good player. They're trying to get him to take a pay cut. So would I sign Bates? If he doesn't take a pay cut, they're going to cut him. So if I sign Bates, Ooh. do I go after – I would rather have Byron than Bates. I think he's yeah. really a good player. So you got to kind of play that around a little bit. you got to wait. Oh, Kevin Byard. Wow, that's that's an interesting one because, yeah, he's a former All-Pro. Like, he's, he's a heck of he's a, a player. He's a really good so. player, but they're trying to get him to take a pay cut. He doesn't want to do it. Now, you know, this is where the rubber meets the road. Who's – you know, are they bluffing? Are they not bluffing? You know, yeah. I mean, they got cap issues. I mean, that team's in a mess. That team's oh, yeah. in a mess. So, I mean, I've been well, looking Femi, at, I've I got to hit the road, my man. I got to hit the road. If I don't get to Vegas by tonight, <laughs> I'm going to be in deep trouble. All right. Let's wrap up the pod here. Then, Michael, you're going to get on the road. And w- whenever we get some Rogers news or whatever, we'll figure out our situation we'll here. It. But yeah, if there's if there's breaking news through the night, we'll have a pod tomorrow. Don't worry. There we go. That does it for this edition of the GM Shuffle. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Thank you to you, Michael, taking time out of your road trip. You're going to see the rest of the country, and then you'll be here in Las Vegas, where I reside right now, and have a lot of fun this upcoming month and uh, going forward here. But thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. And I will talk to you soon, Michael, as a free agency. New league year is upon us, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yep, Justin Fields MVP ticket. First thing I'm doing when I get to Vegas. I'll see you, Femi. Thanks. There you go, buddy. Thanks, Elliot. (laughs) 